0: Hi, this is the podcast of best bits of the Breakfasters for the week ending October 25. Breakfasters is a Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, this week, we spoke to the one and only Dylan Moran about his forthcoming show, Dr. Cosmos, which he's touring to Australia in November. Former Breakfaster and comedian Josh Earl also popped by. And uh,
1: Friday, funny by
0: Dolora brought in a play
1: for us to all act in. Yeah, also a fascinating chat with composer Burkhard Dolbitz about his original score. For the new Australian film Locusts. And I had some personal news that uh, along came with it a a fairly unfortunate nickname Chubbish. (laughs) Triple R. Since 1984, Burkhard Dalwitz has been one of Australia's leading screen composers, working on feature films, TV and commercials, and picking up along the way the Golden Globe for Best Original Score and Motion Picture for The Truman Show. His award-winning credits include Underbelly, the series Wolf Creek, Pine Gap, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, coverage of the Sydney Olympics and more, and his latest ARIA-nominated score is for the new Australian outback crime thriller Locusts in cinemas. And he joins us now. Burkhard, welcome to Breakfasters.
2: Thank you and thanks for having me.
1: Uh, watching movies, making music, curating soundtracks, sounds like the ideal life. Care to disabuse me of the uh, romantic existence that you have?
2: Uh, yes, it's, it's a lot of hard work. Yeah. Uh, but, look, nevertheless, um, if you do something that you're passionate about and that you really enjoy, um, I guess it beats having a normal job um, uh, any day of the week. So um yeah it's it's pretty full on when you're working but um it's it's after over thirty years of doing it I'm still very much enjoying it.
1: Mm. Do you get absolutely sick of the uh the movies and shows that you score, having watched it over and over and over again, or it doesn't work like that?
2: No, usually when I'm working on them, I'm actually really enjoying it, but I try once the job's finished actually not to watch it because I, I suppose it's a bit like, you know, actors probably sometimes have a hard time watching themselves on screen mm-hmm. and I think once the job's done I don't necessarily want to listen to it again because, um I mean, for all sorts of reasons because also you, you hand over the music and then you're not no longer really in control how it gets mixed into a TV show or how it gets mixed into a film and of course there's still sometimes changes being made so then you see a piece of music that you've written all of a sudden that starts somewhere else and it's yeah. not c- quite no. the way uh you wanted it and that can be like sometimes a bit traumatic so um <laughs> uh, and obviously also because it's you work on such a sort of microscopic level where once you've worked on a show or on a film you can never sort of see it as a as a complete thing anymore, you know exactly where something is going to start, and um, you know what you worked on. So it's kind of it's kind of hard to then sort of unpack it and sort of just enjoy it mm. as a viewer would.
1: And can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you uh, ended up cultivating this sort of career and niche?
2: Um, well, I came out to Australia. Um, After I finished school in Germany um, and came really as a traveller together with a friend and uh, we managed to pick up a job on a farm down on the peninsula uh, which was originally just going to last for four weeks working during the sheep shearing season, you know. Get thrown into the deep end coming (laughs) from Frankfurt. um, (laughs) And all of a sudden we were down in Flinders um, working on a farm. But, I mean, it was incredibly idyllic. Um, And basically once the four weeks were over we were meant to leave Um, but one of the main farmhands who was a full-time employer just did a run out, left, he packed his suitcase and went. And so we got the opportunity to stay longer and work there and then ended up working there for six months. Uh, by which time, of course, our visa had run out um, and we hadn't done any travelling. <coughs> so um, uh, we sort of went, you know, as 2021 21 years olds do, we just went to the Immigration Department and said, oh, look, we'd like to stay a bit longer. Can we extend our visa? And they said, oh, no problem. And as a matter of fact, uh, you can stay here forever. Oh, wow. I mean, this was in, you know, very different times to now. Uh, 1979 um, and so we actually got permanent residence um, and then we thought, well, what are we going to do now? <laughs> um, so we then enrolled at uni and uh, both uh, my friend and I studied music at La Trobe University and, of course, back then um, it was an incredible um, course at La Trobe. It was a very kind of contemporary... Um, very new kind of uh, department that was very exciting and we had some incredible uh, lecturers and um people who were teaching so you know we both studied music at the Trobe, and then during my studies i uh, met my wife um, who was an editor at the abc and through her i managed to get you know contacts within the tv industry and started basically already during my studies sort of score little documentaries in short films, and you know, here I am now, mm. forty years later, uh, still doing it. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's incredible because I don't think if that hadn't happened, uh, you know, I probably would have ultimately gone back to Germany. And back in those days, um, you know, music and uh, those things were very kind of conservative in Germany. Like you had to be like almost a child prodigy in order to get into performance courses or uh curriculum um so yeah I'm, I'm very grateful that um the new zealand farmhand left
0: <laughs> <laughs> god what a ride yeah when someone comes to you and asks you to score whether it be a tv series or or a film do you watch it before you agree to do it um do you have to kind of enjoy something or do you just say no i'll just take i'll take it on no matter what
2: Um, look, you rarely get a chance to actually watch it, particularly in television. I mean, you get a script. Yeah. Um, so that's usually what I like to do, at least read a script. Uh, when you're working on film, there is a chance that you get a rough cut, um, so you can actually have a look, um, because it's always good to, you know, sometimes things can sound great on paper and then not necessarily turn out that great, um, but, yeah, you don't always get a chance to actually have a have a look at the actual film
0: at the film itself. Have you ever felt like you could i mean do you get writer's block as a as a composer as well do you have have you ever had moments where you thought I can't think of what this music is meant to be, or is the process more collaborative than that?
2: Well, it's collaborative, but also of course there's always the pressure of actually you know having to turn over music particularly in television drama so you just don't have the luxury to have writer's block right i mean. What sometimes happens is you write a piece, and then you know you move on to the next one and the next one, and then you might get a chance to go back to the previous uh, queue, because you know that, you know maybe you've discovered something, how to work something out, and then you go back and change something, but um, to actually have a day where you don't actually output or produce something by the end of the day. Um, is is not possible.
1: And with a film like Locusts, where where do you start there?
2: Well, I I mean Locusts is sort of a little bit unusual in that um, the producer writer Angus Watts, uh, this is his first feature film. He's got a day job as a radiologist on the Gold Coast, but he's a passionate uh, you know writer and and filmmaker. And he contacted me out of the blue and said, "Look, I'm making this little film. You know, are you interested?" And I said um yes if you can maybe send me a script or show me a rough cut um which he did and i really liked it like it was a tight um really well acted um outback thriller as you mentioned in your intro and um you know then basically we spend one day in the studio going through the film and of course the other thing to note is that um you never really start with a complete blank canvas because there's always temp music in a film or in a TV show, uh, which is basically what the editors and directors put in as a placeholder. Mm. And that's usually the start of the conversation where I can hear, oh, well, this is what they kind of have in mind. Uh, if I have any doubts whether that's working, I might bring that up uh, and we discuss it. But that's usually the starting point and then I just start writing and, you know, do what's called rough mock-ups and I send them through and, you know, that's basically how the Mm. process starts.
1: Do you have a work of yours that you think works as a soundtrack beautifully, you know, separate from the film that you're most proud of?
2: Um, Yeah, look, that's difficult because obviously, you know, sometimes the score can really work well within the film uh, but may not hold together as a as a piece of standalone music to listen to. I mean obviously there's people who just simply enjoy listening to soundtracks. They don't expect to hear a 3-minute song or you know a classical yeah. composition. Um look I think um I mean certainly for example Underbelly because I sort of was left to my own devices and and thought I'd be really great to do something quite different, Um, you know, because up until that point, a lot of Australian television had sort of fairly subdued scores, you know. It also had to do with, um, you know, sometimes sort of a more conservative kind of approach, like music should just sort of be in the background and you shouldn't really have it too much pushed into the forefront. And I sort of went very much against that. And it sort of became one of the key ingredients that really kind of pushed the show along in terms of the pacing, but also in terms of the the drama. Mm. Uh, and I would say that's, you know, certainly a soundtrack that, you know, I think you can put on and because it's also obviously the genre of it is kind of more rock. Um, you know, it it certainly has elements that sort of, I guess, have something more in common with you know what people listen to on the radio, mm. or you know even though it doesn't have lyrics. But
0: is it is it kind of a a greatest film score of all time, or a score that you listen to and go that's the, that's the ultimate?
2: Um, oh, look, there's certainly sort of favourite scores that I have. Um, what are what's your
0: favourite? What's uh, the score
3: that you wish you'd written?
2: Oh, uh, well, uh, there'd be probably half a dozen. Uh, <laughs> I could think of um, Ennio Morricone as the mission, mm. um, you know, which is its certainly a sort of standout because you will always remember the music whereas you may not actually remember the film. The film wasn't that great. I don't great. think I
3: ever watched the film but I remember listening to that soundtrack yeah. a lot.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was an, uh, an incredibly um, great score Um Look, there's other uh, scores like uh, Thomas Newman's American Beauty, you know, sort of things that come up with something that's a little bit different but also kind of works so well with the film that then they have a life of their own. I mean, I think that's the thing. If you write music to a film that becomes iconic or a classic film, then the music you know, some of the glory is reflected on the music because it becomes so uh, connected with the film Mm. that when people hear it, it just kind of, you know, makes them remember the movie and things like that. So I think, um, you know, that's certainly something that, you know, just I was really lucky to do with the Truman Show but because it became such an iconic film... um, You know, there's certain pieces in there that sort of stand out.
1: Well, it's 20 years since that film and your Golden Globe win. How significant was that?
2: Oh, well, it was a huge um, career-defining moment for me because really I was a complete unknown. I mean, I was working here in Australia, again, largely on documentaries. I'd done a little B-grade sci-fi movie um before and you know i did short films and also a lot of ads and things like that but it was just a you know a huge turnaround for me uh, all of a sudden i was you know not sitting in Elston week in my little bedroom studio but <laughs> i was in la and i had agents chasing me and you know all that kind of stuff
1: Goodness gracious uh, Yeah, we could talk to you forever uh, Locusts by Angus Watson Heath Davis is in cinemas now And we've been speaking to music composer uh, Berhard Dolwitz Thank you so much for coming in Pleasure Independently yours Triple R 102.7 Comedian, actor and writer Dylan Moran won the Perry Award at Edinburgh Fringe in '96 and went on to co-write and star in Black Books, winning two BAFTAs. His film credits include Notting Hill, Shaun of the Dead and Calvary, one of the best films of all time. And he tours his stand-up around the globe. He's in Australia for two months as part of a massive international tour with the acclaimed show Dr Cosmos, hitting Melbourne in early November. And he joins us now. Dylan Moran, welcome to Breakfasters.
4: Hey, hi. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Uh, you, you, you're, you're standing?
4: I'm standing today. <laughs> Literally.
1: <laughs> uh, so you've you visited Australia a lot with your family uh, over the years and your last tour here four years ago. What's changed in your life since then?
4: Oh, in my life? Oh, God, I don't know. You, know, you put me on the spot. I have to think about this. Uh, four, four years, what's happened? Uh, I am older and um, uh, the children ignore me more. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff that's normal about getting older, but that's it. That's mm-hmm. it. I mean, The world is, you know, crazy, but there you go. It's yes. always crazy.
3: It's quite an extensive tour that you're doing. Like most people come over here, might just do the basic capital cities, but you're doing Darwin. And, Geelong. And, and, there you go, Geelong. All the top places. Is there any place in particular that you haven't been to before that you're really looking forward to?
4: Well, I'm looking forward to all of them, to be perfectly honest, because I like going to new places, wherever mm. it is. I mean, even, even if somewhere, even if it's somewhere that people say is kind of awful, I'd be interested to see what variety of awful it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Why did you pinpoint
0: Geelong? How do you know I, Geelong?
4: I, because because I was mispronouncing it for days, and I'm very pleased that I've got it right. Oh,
0: what was the mispronunciation? Geelong.
4: I was going around saying because it's G-E-E, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Some people say Geelong. Long.
4: Okay. When, yeah. But all
1: right. Well, the they... people I said it to didn't talk
4: to me afterwards. <laughs> so I <laughs>
1: <laughs> but when you tour you really
4: get amongst it. Like Kazakhstan, Ukraine. Yeah, you got to get out there and see what's out there to figure out where you know what you're talking about. You mm. can you can't know until you go.
0: You were, um you toured in Russia in 2012 first English speaking comedic tour of Russia apparently. What was that experience like?
4: well you know tour i did moscow and petersburg um uh, it was really fascinating of course because all you hear about as a westerner most of the time is you know the reputation of the place and all the imagery that we have and all that kind of stuff so to actually get on you know and get on the ground there and talk to people and see how people are living is fascinating anywhere you know like stuff that it's, it's not that wild in a way but it's just different like we were out and we were People get a lift by, they still do it the old style way of, you know, throwing up their hand. They're hitching in the city. So somebody stops and they say, where do you want to go? And they haggle a price and they drive them to some suburb. This person, random person, they just jump in the car and um, that kind of thing. It's very, you know, novel.
0: Yeah. Did yeah, you find a difference? Safe. Yeah, totally. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Did you find a difference between the Moscow? I've been to Russia, and I found a really big difference walking around the streets between the attitude of Moscovites and Saint Peter's people from Saint Petersburg. Did you sense a difference in like comedic audiences between the two cities?
4: Uh, I I don't know. I know what you mean about the two cities, like the difference. Obviously, yeah. Moscow is the size of Belgium. Yeah. the Greater Moscow area is the size of Belgium. It's kind of big. Um, whereas Petersburg is a pretty small city in a way it's gorgeous but you know it's not that big um uh you know people would just walk over you in moscow it's crazy big, yeah yeah crazy big
1: and what about uh when you do visit cities are you allowed into bookshops or you don't give yourself the grief
4: (laughs) No, I do. I go to, I'll go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't I get bothered. I don't get bothered by people. Sometimes every, somebody says, oh, you know, I like the thing. And I always say, well, thanks very much. I'm glad anybody enjoyed anything. But, you know, I, I'm surprised they remember as well. But that's what happened with, you know, Netflix and all the platforms. Everything got a second life because people are watching sitcoms from the 90s again, aren't they, on uh, on all those platforms?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Is there any kind of uh, – do you ever feel kind of – when someone comes up to you and says something about black books, do you, do you ever kind of I don't want to talk about it? Or oh, it's too much for me, or you're kind of happy
4: to embrace it every time it comes up. Yeah, I think probably there was a period where I go, oh, shut up, you know, I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. about something else a while ago. But because I never think of it now, because it's so long ago, yeah. when they say, oh, really? Oh, it's okay, so good for you, you know, I'm glad you liked it. That's it. Honestly, that is it. I'm glad anybody enjoyed anything I ever did. I don't, I don't mind. Have you
0: found that as you're getting older, comedy's got easier or harder? <laughs>
4: Well, it, I don't know. Look, comedy is part of my life. It has been for 30 years, you know, and it was I was part of my life before that, before I started doing professionally. So I sort of don't even think of it. It's just life, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. life to me. Uh, and um, no, I, I don't know. How would it be harder? People don't change. They don't fundamentally alter their, you know, what they need from a comedian or somebody else on stage. You want somebody who's going to, uh, in a way, be you, but just mm. in a sort of a more without all the distractions, like you know when you 're sitting and you 're thinking something about your life, like my life is good or my life is terrible, whatever it is um, the the guy up on stage or the girl up on stage is the one is the one who you 're just acting it out in a way you know yeah, you 're just yeah. being that person, but without any but without auntie Mary coming in saying you know where 'd you put the biscuits because it 's a <laughs> distraction." You know, you're just being yeah. a more refined version of whoever you're talking to, following the thought process that you would have if you could have the time. Because yeah. <laughs> comics have all the time in the world because they have this ridiculous job where they're own in the evenings and they can get up at four if they want and scratch their nuts for three hours before they go on stage. They've got plenty of thinking time.
3: Yeah, sure. you, but have you had to, do you think you, you've had to adapt much over the 30 years? To what? Adapt to the different type uh, to comedy, I guess, in uh, the way that you present it and do it, in the way that you write and the shows that you that you create.
4: What am I adapting to, though? I'm not clear on what you mean.
3: Uh, in in terms of you know, uh, just keeping up with the times, I guess you know.
4: Well, I mean the 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 times, you know, the news, if that's what you mean, or the cycle of what the, the news cycle that we're in, or the kind of zeitgeist that we seem to be in is. Nobody's, nobody can keep up with that. You'd be a fool to try and keep up with that because that's independent. You know, that's a reflection of where we're all at. You know, right now the world is full of populist politicians who are promising the earth to everybody as they're destroying it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, but, you know, it's not that different to what went before, to be honest with you. It's just maybe just a little more vivid.
1: Being uh, from Ireland with has such a, has such a st- I mean, incredible literary history. Do you feel a part of that? Do you how attached are you to uh, literature in your place and?
4: Well, like you say, it's you know it was sort of all around. You know, growing up and on, it's just part of the landscape. It's part of what you uh, what you're talking about. What's what's part of your life from early on. So, uh, I grew up in a house with lots of books and talk. You know, so I'm lucky. I realise that you don't realise it till later, of course, but. It's uh, it makes life a lot larger, makes a sense of possibility, uh, uh, much more uh, um, fulfilling and kind of complex, you know, you can talk about things. I mean, it sounds dumb, you know, to say you can talk about things, but I've realized actually there's a lot of people who just, you know, they're thinking the things, but mm-hmm. they can't talk about the things because they don't feel safe necessarily in the environments they're in so people are having these really full complex deep experiences but they're not able to share them because they don't if they're not necessarily in a culture where that's normal mm-hmm. where you yeah. that's kind of traffic you know where you'll risk saying poss- stuff that might make you if somebody chooses to say no i, n- I never experienced that i never feel anything like that you're <laughs> going to be suddenly very isolated yeah. whereas uh, you know in ireland yeah we had this literary you know uh, background and people talked so yeah, I think it sort of meant you could talk about ideas a bit mm. more.
1: And what what about your reading habits in terms of di- division between the news, of which you obviously like to stay abreast and less so these days, less I gotta <laughs> tell you. Yeah,
4: I think a lot of people my age, you guys are all younger than me, but you know, I'm in my late forties and I think a lot of people uh in 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 early midlife, Jesus Christ, um, are uh, are not are turning off because you know, it's, you sort of feel like it's your job to be responsible and know what's going on. But I, these people, the, the the grade of people we've got out there representing us at the moment is it has to reach some sort of nadir. It really does. Mm.
1: Well, you, you're now you, – you talk about stability and people craving stability. Are you that for some people? Like it, the the world is swirling around them and it's like, well – I've been a giant Dylan fan for ages and this is an incredibly <laughs> cathartic theatre experience for I format. don't
4: know. I don't, I don't, I don't know if, that, if there's catharsis <laughs> happening out there. I have no idea. I don't go and look at the seats afterwards, but um, <laughs> who knows, maybe.
1: Do you
3: You live in Edinburgh. If you're not doing a show during the festival, do you clear out or do you...? Stick around and go see well, stuff.
4: Uh, you know, sometimes you get a uh, have a little break from the festival because yeah. sometimes the trumpets can be a little, little shrill in your ear. But um, it's a good thing, you know. There's no point. I don't. I don't fight it. It's a fantastic thing. It's wonderful. It's it's terrific. It's a huge explosion of human energy.
3: Any particular comics that are on the scene now that you really enjoy?
4: Uh, oh, there's loads to be mm. honest with you, and there are so many more than when I began. It's become. I don't know what it's. I don't know how, how to explain it. But when I began, it seemed to be still somewhat a, something of a, a. It was like becoming a pirate, mm. you know, running away, enjoying the circus. Whereas now, it does feel like it's more of a. There's more of a career path, or some carved somehow. Um, I guess just because we've got so much media saturation around us. Um, so, oh, look! There's so many comics. There's so many talented comics out there. You know, there's there's. I, um, Dave Chappelle is very talented. Um, and, you know, I don't like everything, don't like everything everybody mm. does. That's yeah. the other thing. You know, you've got to realise, you know, there's very talented people. You don't agree necessarily with everything they're saying, you know. Yeah. Um, and there are dozens. There's a guy called Tony Law who's very funny in Britain. There's um, Kevin Bridges. There's, you know, I could go on. There's mm. loads. And Ali Wong's a great comic. You know, yeah. there's so many great comics out there.
1: And how does, how does Dr. Cosmos uh, capture where you're at at the moment?
4: uh well i to be honest with you you know i'm not that interested in me per se you know my bum my 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 (laughs) kitchen my my i'm i'm interested in as a how like everybody's Mm -hmm. is it that's what i look for i look for the sort of universal human in whatever's going on with me and then because that's the bit that you're gonna that's that's your connection with everybody else if i just talk about you know my preference is what I like, what I don't like, or whatever. You know, you learn a lot about me and you go home and you think, well, thanks very much. You know, but I'm trying to talk about you.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, your last two are, what, 149 cities?
4: Some, I don't count anything. Sure.
1: <laughs> well, Somebody in your team does. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you do m- material that is so relatable and accessible in many ways. And I, I know this might seem like a bit of a hack question, but when you are in Kazakhstan, i like, well, I, I could be in South London and we're all laughing at the same stuff or yeah. or you or you do notice, you
4: know. Well, of course you do because there's variation. You know, come on, there's variation between Melbourne and Sydney or any two Australian yeah. places, you know, that you'll be very sensitive to because you know it so much better than I do. I won't pick up and I'll see different things to you, right? Mm. So that's part of the crack as well. That's part of the fun that we're going to notice different, you know, uh, aspects or even dimensions of aspects when we're talking about something. So that's why your focus is always on what's relatable everywhere yeah you know what transcends all this and you can pull in the locality as well you can pull in the circumstances that's around you you know but you know you don't get too hung up on it
0: mm. how is it like when you look around at everything that's happening today particularly in britain and uh, it's do you find that i don't know poking fun at brexit or poking fun at boris johnson or at trump helps you process it all in any way
4: no because there those uh, schmucks are you know there's there snowflakes they're they're they're, they'll pass and the wind will come and blow them away and they'll be new schmucks it's not important these as a a pair you know okay they're pretty striking you know as the wow i mean you think can it get any worse
0: have they been the biggest schmucks that in your time that i have never
4: seen uh i've seen political crises before i've never seen so many at one time it's like a forest fire they've all linked up and it's all raging Mm. now and um and so the individuals don't interest me so much. I think of them as the, you know, the, um, the pimple on yeah. the face of humanity, really. It's the underlying conditions mm. that interest me. What is humanity eating? What is it put, what's it putting into itself that this stuff is happening? That we're we getting these eruptions of these morons, these pustules that everybody wants to pop, frankly.
0: Mm. What do you think the underlying condition is then in, in the UK at the
4: well, moment? Well, we're full of shit, <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's coming out. It's coming out. We've we got our priorities all wrong. We're talking about GDP. All these youngsters who are out there talking about the planet are absolutely bang on. They're and, all right.
1: And and so messages to future generations. Are- well, well, I don't do it. Well, I mean, you you, you say that uh, children hate their parents because their parents can't manage the world. And that's uh, a source of some frustration.
4: Yeah, well, you're paraphrasing somewhat. But yeah, I mean, there's a bit of that going on. Yeah, you know, we older people have a responsibility to not be total... Um, Dex, don't
1: they? Mm. Well, uh, so you're coming b- to Melbourne uh, November 2, 3, 4, and 6 at Hamer Hall. Uh, and uh, the tour is Dr. Cosmos, and you get tickets through Ticketmaster. But, Moran, thank you so much for Thanks, swinging guys. Right. Thanks so thank much. You. All right.
3: Triple R. Uh, Daniel Burt. <clears throat> Hi. I hear that um, we know that you've got some very exciting news to tell us, and and the listeners and everybody. It's all very exciting. Tell us what's what's happening well, in your life.
1: Yeah, so because feature, Creat- feature creatures is uh, coming up later in the show, and Dr. Tristan Rich is from Fort from Lord Smith Animal Hospital is here. Talk about introducing a pet to a new baby. And Mm. uh, as you know, but I thought it would, this is a good opportunity to say publicly, uh, I'll be having a dog in this fight, if you'll (laughs) pardon the phrase. Uh, Because, yes, uh, Jessie, uh, my girlfriend or partner, or better half, anyway, she's much (laughs) more than a half because she's pregnant. Yeah! And the baby's due. And you're getting a dog. That's right. And I'm getting a dog. (laughs) Uh, uh, the baby's due next year in February.
0: Oh, amazing. It's mm. So exciting. It, it is, so yeah, silly. yeah. You're the first breakfaster in five years to have a baby. Oh, yeah. is that a fact? <laughs> yeah. Wow. No, yeah. So,
1: yeah, it'd
3: be yeah. Good for, it'd be, yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: Jez, you bring your dogs in. Yes. Yeah. Like, maybe some crying in the corner. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a you bit can bring
3: of. bring the baby in. <laughs> yeah. Be a top working class dad. Bring your baby to yeah. work.
1: Strap to your chair. Yeah. <laughs>
3: exactly.
1: Um, but uh, bring
3: some expressed milk in. We can all feed. Her. Awesome.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, because uh, Jessie's mum is. She's already way down the knitting rabbit hole. Oh, oh really? Yeah. And um, Jessie doesn't like them. Oh. She doesn't like. She's. She doesn't like the colours. Oh no! She doesn't like
0: the things that are being knitted. No,
1: no. And one of them was a, a bug theme. Oh,
0: this sounds adorable! And so, yeah.
1: but Jesse, but we've seen it, and it's there's like this g- giant huntsman on the. Oh. <laughs> so Jesse's like, no, thanks. No, but, well, yeah. I, so I was gonna. I'm it a, on her side. What yeah. is that, a jumper with a giant huntsman on it. Yeah, well, it's yeah, all these insects and stuff. So oh. it just looks like the baby to be, you know, oh, been rolling a around in you know? it. Like uh, if, if there was
3: a baby with wearing. Some a onesie with a giant huntsman on it. It's like oh, I'm
1: sorry, mate. You're on your own. <laughs> exactly. Oh my uh, god. But Jessie's sister is also pregnant. Oh my god! Really? really? Yeah. And it's Did they talk? T-
0: this is. is this?
1: Was this it- no, I don't. No, no, no. It, that wasn't coordinated. Taunt? Okay, right. Um, <laughs> between those between them. Uh, but it's uh, who's you, due first? Oh, Tanya's due first, and so now because you know how people are already parents, um have a lot of advice. Mm. Turns out you can just be two weeks ahead in a pregnancy. Oh. And it's like, <laughs> have, has this happened to you yet? <laughs> <Yeah>. Is that <laughs> happened to you yet? Wow. Uh, but, yeah, it's terrific. It's, yeah.
3: And how do you feel about it all?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm wrapped. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, it's not real yet. No. It's not real for me. It's very no. real for Jesse. Although, you know, you're making, you're moving into a bigger place and yeah. buying prams and have you yeah, done all that yet? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Jessie has. Oh, my God, you're so organised. Yeah, I'm yeah. really impressed by this. Well, I think she's been into – she's had her eye on some prams before she was pregnant. There's a, I think there's some particular pram she likes. Really? Yeah. I feel like I'm going to fail. You no, know? <laughs> don't You're already stressing me out about <laughs> possible no. motherhood. Um, but the, the, so Tanya calls her uh, unborn child it, which is natural, Um we're, we're having a boy. Um, but I've given it the. Uh, anyway, I just accidentally, ages ago, just started calling it Chubfish. Oh. <laughs> and um, it's just kicked off. It fell out of your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. It fell out. just and, went Chubfish. Fell and, and now it's, it's <laughs> like that's his name. Uh, and, and so it's hard to get the Chubfish a worm back in the can, or if that's the right phrase, yeah. the genie back. Because, and now I'm worried I think that. once Chubfish is born. Yeah.
3: It'll, you'll look at Chubfish and go, oh. Yeah.
0: It never does. It's going forever. <laughs> you're looking at your job. <laughs> and you're <laughs> in Well, that's what Jessie is afraid <laughs> of.
1: So she stopped calling it Chubfish. But you haven't. <laughs> I can't I can't let go. And now we've started. No, and she's oh. super embarrassed. She doesn't want anyone to know. Oh, sorry, Jess. <laughs> Good morning. Yeah. also,
0: sorry, I keep forgetting your fish's name.
1: Oh,
3: that's Simon. You're
0: going to have to introduce Simon to chubfish. Yeah. Oh,
1: that's right, Simon. You've been your
0: servant. Yeah.
3: So you can mm. don't call your kids on Uh
1: But yeah, went, to, and so we've got this oh. obstetrician, but this obstetrician is, you know, like there's no mobile, there's no email, there's one landline shared between multiple doctors, only likes being contacted via post and fax. Get the, what? what are it's, you talking about? And it's just very, it's a whole new
0: world. Oh my <laughs> I'm sorry, someone just messaged message so, they could be part of the Rebecca family on
1: Neighbours, Toadfish, Oh, chub- toadfish, <laughs> chubfish. Oh, God. That's um, a did, giant Neighbours cliffhanger.
3: Have you started going to birthing classes and that's stuff? That's happening.
1: Apparently I'm going to a hypnobirthing class at some wow. point. That's locked in. What is hypnobirthing? Oh,
0: my God. I have God. no idea. I cannot wait I'll for this I'll find out when I
1: get there. Uh, oh.
0: But it's also... I like
3: it. I'd, I'd like it to be that they hypnotise you. That's what I... That's- <laughs> Oh yes, and you can feel all the pain that Jesse is. Yeah, that's you know. right. Just hold
1: hands together and get through it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it, they go for four hours these classes. I think it'll be fun. Is that? Yeah, uh, maybe that's totally naive. No, it'll be interesting for mm. sure. But um, you know, and so she's she's showing now, and but she's t- she's lost. Uh, apart from the obvious changes, she's lost the ability to be tickled. She cannot used to be easily tickled and now really? there's, That's so weird, there's really? just no, there's nothing there. Is there a scientific oh, no, research? I, I to don't get, know. I've never heard of it. I want to get pregnant now. Uh, yeah, I've Googled it, seen nothing. There's not, no threads, Maybe, no one. this is saying something about Chubfish's <laughs> personality. What is uh, diminishing the my... What's he, What's his personality? Maybe
0: it would it'd be like he's—he's he's like I'm gonna have none of your shit. Dad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's already Yeah,
1: he's already—he's affecting my <laughs> life already. He's not even born. <laughs> Uh
2: yeah. Don't just you, nothing. Dig just donuts. Oh. It's like
1: it's like poking a beanbag. That's so strange. If, I mean, if, not that she's a beanbag, no, but you no, get the oh same God. response. Chubfish in the beanbag. That's <laughs> gonna go down really well. It's the new breakfast radio team. <laughs> and the uh, well, beanbag. Do you reckon,
3: <laughs> reckon chugfish will um like your jokes? Uh
1: oh, like I'm are you prepared gonna d- to move into dad joke territory yeah. already. I think you'd be really great at it. I reckon we should start a segment where you just have to list off as many dad jokes as you can. Oh yeah, just be super lame. Just be super lame. Yeah, I mean, as you would know, I've already I'm halfway there. So yeah, it's just completing the journey. But it's also yeah, it's all it's all fun for the you know for the extended family. And Mm. I I really want to go
0: back to the obstetrician who was not only getting contacted via post as well. What do you? How do
1: you, What happens when the well, b- we go into labour? Well, he'll be there for that, presumably, but, if he can fit it he in he between cut? rounds of golf. But <laughs> it, it's, yeah, I, I mean, it's because it, any, you know, there's there's lots of trends in pregnancy. Do you know,
3: do you know how he gets in? You have to um, put a fish on a spotlight and shine that up into the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Chubfish is coming. <laughs> And oh. then it'll, the opposition will be on the golf course and he'll look up and go, oh, yep, yeah, it's time to go get but chub fish. That's right.
1: But the technology is changing. So even people who have been pregnant only v- pretty recently are seeing, th- like, ultrasounds going, oh, my God. Really? Because you the- can see more babies. Yeah, you can see more baby. They're, like, one's in, do they call it 4D? Or it's, oh. it must be, it, like,
3: but. It, like- if, yeah, I've seen the one. Yeah, it's incredible. Mm. But but the when they're doing it
1: because there's a video of it, and you know I'm not going to show people a video of a damn ultrasound. Why like, not? Well, because I don't want to. What be, if we want to see yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, but the odds of you wanting if it was yeah, if it was yeah, requested, yeah. sure, I'm not going to yeah. shove that down anyone's yeah. throat. But there the, there's a hot mic. Like no one, <gasps> you don't know that the mics are on, so you can. Oh, so you can hear. I you can hear commenting. Yeah, you can hear their conversation. I mean, I. The first one happened while I was on air, so I couldn't go. Oh. But uh, the, the mics were up. And what were they saying? Nothing you, bad. Oh, thank you. <laughs> was I at least cursing you out? For no, no. There? But, yeah, it was exciting to, you know. And Did
3: Chubfish, um, was he named before or after you'd seen the ultrasound?
1: Oh, named no, before. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not, yeah. You look, really no, he like doesn't. But, oh, because, but in the ultrasound he had... Uh, you could see his spine. Oh. Uh which is good. And oh. um but it was it was prominent. Uh and so Jessie's mum, because I've have a uh, career in comedy, she started calling it Spinefeld. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's giving... So much better than shot. I know, I <laughs> know.
5: Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app.
1: Comedian, former breakfaster, and Triple R Lime champion Josh Early is staging his comedy quiz show "Don't You Know Who I Am" in a seven-show series of live podcasts recorded next month in Fitzroy, and he joins us now in the studio. Josh, welcome back to Breakfasters. Thank
5: you for having me. Good morning, everyone. It is a, good, it's morning. a good, morning, good morning, isn't it? It's a great, it's so nice out there. If you're not if you haven't been outside yet, it's very very nice. Oh, I think everyone has by now. Uh, it's eight forty six in the morning. Oh, yeah, it's, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Sorry, it's the end of my day.
1: Um, For those not familiar with the format, cross between Would I Lie to You and This Is Your Life? Yeah,
5: so it's a podcast (laughs) that I just get people to say their best stories but give them a platform to say it so they don't have to feel like they're shoehorning it in. Mm. So I just set set the comics up and they just, Hit it for six. It's great. And uh, and so we
1: learn things about them that we might not otherwise based on, well, their history and their social media uh, use, I suppose.
5: Yeah. So what I do, I go through the first, so it's four rounds, the quiz. And so the first round is everyone's social media or online presence. And so not everyone's on Twitter these days. And so I've just gone now, It's it used to be called Social Me Me Media. Now it's called, you can quote me on that mm-hmm. because oh, people wow. are writing books and I'm like getting things from their books or people are doing interviews and it's a... Way better way than just who said this about Donald Trump?. Oh, uh, yeah. Here we go. so yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so that's the first round. So just going through and learning a lot about people and then um, the next rounds are just story kind of stuff. Mm. You know, Jez and Sarah, you've been on it. You know know how it it works.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It is heaps of fun. Uh, I've told many stories. And also it feels like um, I didn't think I had that many stories to tell.
5: But then you've got to, like, you do talk breaks here where you're telling stories all the time. Yeah, that's true. And people think, oh, I don't have any stories. And then they do the show and they like, oh, that reminds me of this story. And everyone's kind of snowballing on everyone else's stories. And it's just a nice. Funny chat And we just learn you're, da- you're, well, you're a
1: dancer Once I a used dancer to be. Always I, a dancer I used to be
5: So when I was 17 I uh, was doing Math stage uh, Math stage 3 Which is what it was called Which is the hardest maths And it was too hard for me So I dropped out And didn't tell my parents And I had to do another Pre-tertiary subject And so I just chose dance Because it was that or art And I went oh I don't, can't draw. Oh, what, hang on, what kind of dance? Contemporary dance. Like hip hop? No, but Like Contemporary. You know, like, like the moves where you're like, uh, as if you're lost in a jumper oh, and you're yeah. doing that and too much starch in your clothes. So you don't, what, that yeah. what, kind of stuff. What was it about yourself that made you think that dance
0: was a better option? It was the best well, I option? Could, I
5: couldn't draw that well. So I thought, I can't do maths and I can't draw. I've got to do something. Okay. So I did dance and then, like, a term into it, uh, Tazdance, uh, which is the professional dance company down in Tasmania, was doing this thing where they were getting Year 11, 12s from around the state to join the company and they were going to put on a dance. And so you went out of school for two weeks and learnt all this choreography and then you toured you, the state.
3: Did you tell your parents I, you were going on I, maths camp?
5: I, I hadn't told my parents I was doing dance. They'd like, and so I had to come out to my parents as a dancer. <laughs> And mm. then I, they didn't care. Like yeah. they, they were like, oh, you're doing year 12. That's great. Like, they didn't even finish year 10 and 9. So yeah. it was like, oh, okay, whatever you want to do. And so I did it and it was a complete nightmare. Like, I was oh, not a really? good de- Well, our costume was... So it was called Fish Fingers and it was all about under the sea. And the guy's costume was just underpants. That's all we wore. <laughs> and I'm a skinny little hairy <laughs> white kid. And my friend Yannis, who is... Uh, Greek and his mother's uh, Balinese. And so he is this, like, Greek Adonis, huge. And he was also a dancer as well, but he was a proper, like, really good dancer. And I had to stand next to him in all the show. I'm like, oh, I feel so bad. <laughs> uh, and so I... Had to wear underpants. But the women or the girls in the thing, their costume was bubble wrap, all bubble wrap, and every single bubble had been injected with jelly. And so it set. So it looked like scales. It looked amazing. Oh, but wow. it took – we only had two weeks. So it, by the time they got measured up and all the jelly set and they did it, it was the whole two weeks. And so we didn't, they didn't get to wear the costumes until the very first like, uh, performance. And the dance was us rolling on the floor a lot. So all the jelly just popped. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were just kind of slipping around in jelly. And it was not a great time.
1: Oh and what God. was your? Were you a fish finger? Yeah, I, I played
5: like many many roles in it, and so a lot of it was like I remember the boys in the thing had to like almost have a fight and try and win the affection of the female fish, and it was very odd. Your but mate
3: Yanis has come up in the podcast before. Yeah, Yannis
5: Vovos, good name.
3: Yeah, and you went to um, to see Greece the musical.
5: Yes, yeah, so his his parents like his dad is Greek, is Greek, and so he rang me up and. Asked me if I wanted to go and see Grease the musical with him down in Hobart, and I went all right. I'll just ask my mom, and I said, "Mom, Giannis, his family has invited me to Greece for the weekend. Can I go?" And Mum's like, "No, you can't go to Greece for the weekend." And I was like, "But like, it, I, I want to go," and she's like, "No, like it's too expensive. I'm like they're going to pay for me. They're going to take me and pay for me." And she's like, "You're not going to Greece for the weekend." I'm like, oh, mum's not letting me go. Sorry. So I hung up. And she's like, you don't even have a passport. I'm like, it was the musical Greece. So I actually, yeah. I've, yeah. So I didn't get to go to Greece.
1: Oh. W- it's all what, right. What, so w- we learned about you in the show. What, what are some of the highlights that you've learned from maybe even some of the heroes that you've got to chat yeah, to? Yeah.
5: So on, uh, I had James Caster on uh, during the Comedy Festival, and he's written a great book uh, called Classic Scrapes. And so I said, I'll just use the story from that. And when I, the like... An hour before I said, oh, I'll use this story. And he goes, you know what, I'm actually sick of talking about that. Can I not do that? And I said, all right, I'll, <laughs> I'll write you a lie because part of it is, like, you've got to bluff and And so I wrote a lie for him, which was when he was in year 12, he went to a house party and he went upstairs to use the bathroom and there was a sign on the door that said, do not enter. But he heard the film, The Three Amigos, being played in there. And so he just kind of popped his head in and it was the dad of the, whoever's house party it was just sitting on the bed. And James was like, oh, I love this film. Can I watch it? And so him and a dad just sat on a bed and watched the film Three Amigos and then he left. <laughs> so I wrote that. And... Everyone on the panel was like, that is so true. There's no doubt that that is a lot. Like, there's nothing... That, that is so James A. castor to do that. And so he was very impressed that, like, I captured his essence. Oh. so
0: cool. Yeah. And so it, it's
5: kind of stuff like that. Writing lies for people is what I really like the mm. most and trying to capture their voice.
0: And it's not always... Comedians. I mean, I've been no. on it, I've been on it, and also musicians.
5: Yeah, you, you so messaged
0: me recently. And we're like, who, Sarah? Who's some funny musicians? Yeah. So and last
5: I, week was great. So it was Tim Rogers, yeah, uh, Kevin Mitchell, Bob Evans from Debutire, and uh, Jess Ribeiro And Jess tells one of the best stories about, about being a tennis player. No, it's about um, being in a sex club in Berlin. Oh
3: my god! Yeah,
5: and it's. I won't spoil her story, but it's one of the best stories. So that was on last week's episode. But also Matt
3: Stewart's on that episode. And he (laughs) loves to talk about on this show. He's done it on Friday Funny, but how he gets quite tongue-tied when he meets... His heroes? Yeah. His heroes.
5: Well, he had a great thing where he was (laughs) saying to Tim, I I actually dressed like you for my Year 12 formal because... you were one of my favourite bands. because actually, I love everyone's uh, music in here. Like, uh, like Kevin, I love uh, Jebediah, uh, you know, uh, leaving home. And then I could just see in his mind he didn't know any more words. Oh, no. And he's like, you know what? I don't think anyone does. The next, like, yeah, because I remember when I first heard that, I thought the lines were bing, bang, bo. so. <laughs> But then he was trying to get around everyone and say how he saw Jess at uh, the Northwood Social Club last year, but he didn't get a chance because after, uh, yeah, you know, that song, he just kind of (laughs) retreated. So it was, it's very good. I really enjoy doing it and putting people together who don't really know each other and just seeing Mm. how it happens. it.
1: Are there any spoilers for the live show?
5: Oh, yeah. So I can tell you the lineups for the first two weeks and all, some of the people coming on. So it's 3 p.m. Sundays at the Catfish in Fitzroy. And so in the first two weeks, I've got people like Kate McLennan, uh, Tom Gleason, Judith Lucy, Fiona O'Loughlin, Joel Creasy, wow. Tom Ballard. Uh, later on, there's people like Nina Oyama coming on and Denise Scott. It's going to be really fun. Mm. Yeah.
3: It's heaps of fun. It's a good Sunday afternoon. Yeah. activity and you can get you can buy because there's heaps of them, you can buy a package to go to all of them yeah, yeah so it's 15 bucks Seasons each, pass. or a
5: season pass for 75 so the cost of five shows you can do that so go to mm. au for all the details and there's a there's a stand-up as well yeah so what it is I, the podcast is first and so the podcast goes for like an hour and a half hour and 20 minutes and then there's a break you can get some drinks and get some food and then uh like a comedy show So it's that time of year Where all the comics Are trying new stuff And so people Who have been on the show Stick around Or people drop in And try and do stuff And so that goes For another hour So whole whole thing Goes for about three hours In total And uh, yeah It's really fun And seeing people Do uh, stand up on stage When they're not ready And trying stuff <laughs> mm. And it's actually Yeah it's a really cool uh, Way to spend a Sunday afternoon yeah. Indeed
3: of, What do you think do, do, you, do you know what I mean Do you know what I mean Yeah A lot of uh, that Or a, a lot of
5: ticking boxes And yeah. going Well I'll never say that again yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, the seven-show series of his comedy quiz show, Don't You Know Who I Am. The live podcast is on at the Catfish Fitzroy, 3pm every Sunday from November 3 to December 15. Go to joshiel.com.au for more details. And uh, thanks so much for coming back in. Thank you.
4: Triple ah. <laughs> Today I might
1: mad. Tomorrow. Sarah's right. It is time for a Friday honey buggering and doing the honours. It's Laura Dunaman. Hi, I'm Laura.
6: So sorry. <laughs> That's okay, game. Uh, it's funny. Uh, Hello, everybody. Uh, How are you doing? Uh, good. Um,. We were talking about koalas before. Yes. I've just got a couple of koala facts that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're wrong, please don't call up mm-hmm. and tell me. But apparently... But they're, fact, so they're obvi- facts. They're yeah. facts from mm-hmm. me. So two things. They don't get drunk on the eucalyptus leaves. Mm-hmm. They just need so much energy to process them. Because imagine if you ate eucalyptus leaves, you'd be messed up. Right. So they have to rest to process the eucalyptus sleeps. That's why they sleep so much. Mm. But also an uh, um, interesting fact about when they do it, like how you saw on mm. Monday, when Geraldine. They're, when they're mating. Yeah. Yep. Um, every single uh, – this one I don't – it's so incredible that I don't know if it's an actual fact, but I have heard and read it, that apparently every time they mate, every single time koalas mate, it's 42 pumps.
3: Oh. That-
6: or thrusts, whatever you want. I <laughs> <laughs> – 42, yeah. 42, that it's the magic number. That, it's I wonder right. if that's
1: the average or it's like, well, oh. it's it's 41, i got one more and I'm out.
6: Yeah, I think that's it, right. yeah. That's I it. think it's just every how every do, single time. How do you know that? She's counted them. I've watched. you Wow. Mm.
3: There mm. you go, well. Also shout well, out it, to it my. It fits to what I saw. I mean, I didn't right. count, but it seemed like <laughs> one, it was. Two, three, four, five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I imagine it'd be pretty quick. (laughs) Yeah, I'd
6: imagine it would. Just the word pumps as well. I wish we hadn't (laughs) have used that. (laughs) Sorry. That's all right. Um, Oh, the phone's going. Someone's correcting me. (laughs) It's 45. (laughs) This is what I've heard. It's just something. It's a rumour. Also, shout out to my favourite teacher of all time, my grade five teacher, Mrs Jevons, who um, one time jumped in with us in the school pool with all of her clothes on. And oh. her skirt Kate her skirt oh. floated up to <laughs> the water of oh. so She's adorable. It was great. No, she's loving it. Oh. We went to an all girls school, so yeah. you know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm here today, um, because I'm on here on official official capacity. Yes. Um yes. as my role as Triple R's Royal Correspondent. Yeah, Self appointed. Um, Self appointed <laughs> but you guys call me the Triple R Royal Correspondent. Yes. we see, so, behind you? your back. Behind <laughs> my back, which I'm very happy about. Um, so I um, have been to the UK this year and I haven't really talked that much about the royals for a while, so I thought I'd just come in and do a quick update. Oh, I'd love it. About what's going on. And there's been quite a bit. Um, the Queen is still alive and Prince Philip is still alive, so we here, <laughs> but I really I don't oh, know about There's some Prince that. Philip truthers.
1: What's the like? Well, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, how people thought. Oh, where is she? Bring yeah, her out. Yeah.
6: Well, he's he's retired from official royal life. You occasionally, but... you see a shadow
1: uh, <laughs> on the balcony.
6: Yeah, exactly. And they go, oh, yeah, here he is. Yeah, yeah, six more yeah months and of there's winter. that long running joke that he's just a skeleton. Which he does just look like a skeleton. She's <laughs> nice. incredible, but anyway, so they're still kicking. Um, I'm not going to go into anything about the Duke of York because he's a dirty dog. Oh. Okay. Um, <laughs> It's Is this the... Jeffrey Epstein? Yeah, Epstein. yeah. yeah Bad, bad dog. Um, but th- I'm going to talk about the new... <laughs> dirty dog. <laughs> he's a dirty dog. I'm going to talk about the new royals today. Um, the Fab Four, there's been a lot of drama about them. You might have heard they're all fighting. They all hate each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Prince William, Prince Harry, Meghan or Megan, whichever way you're going to say it, and Princess Kate. As well, they all um, hate each other. And there's been a lot of talk about um, Harry and Meghan because um, she's been copying it big time. Mm -hmm. basically been trolled by the media hasn't she but they've done a few things particularly prince harry he's he's been a bit of a bad dog too oh. i reckon in my opinion he's been a bit of a hypocrite in some ways like they've been saying how he you know they're tra- trying to champion you know eco travel but then they're traveling on private jets and stuff like that and william really dogged him on that one because <laughs> Sorry, dog. Sorry, not dog dog and dog <laughs> Dog face. <laughs> um he really dogged him on that one because <laughs> Harry was really copying it for taking private jets, right, and then that like the next day, William is spotted getting off a commercial budget <gasps> airline flight with his family oh. so it's like it's like with your siblings how when you know that one sibling is being really bad and you just amp it up a little bit more and do the dishes or something like that, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yeah. And Harry, um, this week there was a documentary where Harry said, Harry came out and talked about this rift between him and his brother and he basically confirmed it and said. (gasps) So he said. So his words were like something like, yes, we're going in different paths. We're going down different paths and um But I will always love him, he will always love me and we'll always be there for each other, which is code for we absolutely hate each other right now. Or yeah. is it code
0: for our wives don't like each other? Well, is...
6: I think that's the old dialogue and ah. I think that's the media just leaning towards, you know... Having the women fighting. Yeah, and, you know, we've hated royal women for so long. Well, we've been told to hate royal women for so long. Like, we called Camilla a horse for, like, 20 years. Mm. And she's not... I like Camilla. She's she's all right. People
0: have really come around to Camilla, though. They have. She's... Yeah. she's
6: i done the long haul. Yeah. So anyway, I thought um, to put my thoughts into, what better way to put my thoughts into, into words in a creative way, um, those that maybe don't listen to Friday Funny Bugger so often might not know this, but I'm actually a short playwright. LAUGHTER um, <laughs> And um, I come up I come up with these little plays every now and then as a way to express myself. Um, and I've written one. And I realise Daniel hasn't read one of my plays before. No, I've
1: witnessed them and heard them. But, um, oh, yeah. it's, you know, it's my first. I'm very excited. It's like it's an w-
6: audition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really good. Um, so uh, I've written a short play um, and it's called Get Me Out of This Hell Hole. And it's about Harry and Meghan and how they feel about being in the royal family, how they might feel about being in the royal family oh, yeah, right now. Right. Um, I'll play the Role of narrator, as I often do. Um, we'll go through and have a reading. Um, there's three roles. There's Megan, Harry, and the Queen. Any volunteers for any of those particular parts? Can awesome. I be the Queen? Yeah, absolutely. Great. No problem. Oh, at does all. anyone else want to be the Queen? I feel like I just no. stole that. I'll be Harry. Yeah. Okay, I'm Megan. So Daniel, you have to be Megan or Megan, yeah. but remember she's American. Okay, I'll do an American accent. So we're all doing yeah. accents. I'll yeah, do absolutely. Best. I don't
0: know why I just went accent. Too bad. Because <laughs> <Well, could laughs> you get the. <laughs> <a camera laughs> all, all right, sounds the Queen's All
6: right, are we ready? I mm-hmm. Okay, Get Me Out of This Hell Hole, a new short play by Laura Dunnaman. It's a gloomy autumn day. The Queen has just returned from her four-month-long summer holidays in Balmoral and resents not being able to sleep in till 11am and eat corn chips in bed anymore. Instead, she's drinking a gin and tonic in the ballroom by herself when she hears voices <laughs> coming from the hall. It's her grandson Harry and his wife, Meghan Markle of Suits fame. That's it, H. That's what she calls him H for Harry because that's cute. That's
1: it, H. I'm done. Get me out of this hellhole. Well done. I just (laughs) stopped (laughs) there. (laughs) Well done, Daniel.
6: That's fantastic. I'm so
1: happy that you're doing (laughs) (laughs) makeup. Yeah. Megan, calm down. How many times have I told you it's Megan? It's not Megan. You could at least learn how to say my name correctly. I'm sorry. I never watched Suits. <laughs>
6: Listen, <laughs> I'll just stop there. Listen, I think when we used to do it with Jeff Sparrow, he was the he was bringing us down. Yeah, yes. you are nailing this, <clears throat> Jez. Well done. I'm a bit stressed. Sorry, guys. Keep Listen, Calm down. Let's just go in there and talk to her. I'm
1: sure if we
3: cry for a bit, she'll give us an extra $10 million to finish the house renovations.
1: I'm getting that yoga studio or I'm out of here, back to LA, back to suits.
6: They open the door to the ballroom and storm in. The queen stumbles out of her chair. It's noon and she's legless.
0: Jeez. <laughs> I- Can't a 93-year-old woman have five gin and tonics in peace? <laughs> Granny,
3: we need more money for our new yoga studio. Megan. Megan! <laughs> Damn, sorry. Megan and I spent all our pocket money on private jets in the south of France and William won't give us any. He's so mean to me and if you don't give us money, more money, we're out of
0: here and that's the end of the monarchy. Silly boy. I don't know what... This... <laughs> Silly boy, don't you know that the end of the monarchy will be when I die? Not a day sooner. And
6: when will that be? What? When do you think you'll die? Never! Long live the Queen! Me! She smashes her gin glass on the floor. Glass goes everywhere. It's very dramatic.
0: Now, in terms of money, I'll check with Prince Philip. He might be needing a bit extra this month. He crashed his Range Rover again. Wait, what? He's still alive? Yes, he's still alive. And he still knows how to keep me satisfied, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Now leave, the pair of you. Go back to your charity work, your rift with your brother
1: and your private jets.
6: Megan and Harry turn to leave, slightly unsatisfied without a definite answer. <laughs>
1: well, as we used to say in, uh, on my television show,
6: Suits, the jury is still out. <laughs> the end. <laughs> it's very
1: short. Excellent.
6: Very short play, but what Pretty do we think?
1: Do
0: we think that I might
6: think have been how it went down? It captures the essence, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very
0: true to life, what I What do you guys
6: think might happen with them?
0: Well, um, I think that uh, the queen will lend the money eventually. Yeah, because of the best thing going for the royal family right now.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And she's I think in she a corner. Knows yeah. she mm. knows it. They know it. Yeah, they've got all the power. She's playing hard to get. <laughs> mm. Well, watch this space, as Meghan Markle would say in suits. The jury is still out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Larry My pleasure. Donovan. Melbourne's own
0: Triple R.